great. That would be great. Thanks, Randy. <laughs> All right, good morning, Reach Church. All right, if kids want to head to Reach Kids, they can head out. Oh, man, they are in for it today. Look at all those kids. All right. <laughs> all right. Uh, so we have officially made it to the very last passage in Galatians. Some of you are excited about that. Some, some uh, not so much. Uh, but we did it. We did it. We made it. Um, now, we've covered a lot here. And ultimately, I hope we, we leave with these categories that we can either live according to faith and grace in the Spirit, or can live according to works and the law and our flesh. And that one of those ways is the way of the Christian, and one of the ways is the way of the legalist who is under law and is condemning themselves. That if we're not under grace and faith, living by the Spirit, then there is no other life to live. There is no other Christian life. That's, that's our only option. And that's what Jesus offers us. That we, we who live in this place, that we, we love Jesus, we, we love worshiping and enjoying him, and we'll get to enjoy and worship him forever. Now, we've talked about kind of these dichotomies, these two ways of life, and we have one last dichotomy to talk about, and this is two different ways of, of boasting, of speaking to our approval, of, of finding our worth. Where is the place that we go to to... I don't know, to present ourselves to the world. That when, when we're feeling worthless, when we're feeling like there's, there's nothing, no hope for us, where do we go? Where is our boast? And ultimately, once again, there's, there's only two options. One is, in the cross of Jesus Christ, in that grace and faith and the, the work of the Spirit, and everything else that we might boast in, everything we might, might make our lives about, would be in this other category, the flesh to boast in the flesh. Now remind us, once again, I hope you got this out of Galatians. We talked about it a lot. All right, this isn't the person who's boasting in their sin. This is the person boasting in just their works and their ability and, and their own strength. These are two ways of, of living, the, living a life before God. And honestly, I, I don't expect you guys to be verbally boasting. All right, I think most of you have grown out of that to some extent. Maybe some of you haven't. But uh, the whole thing is, like, your whole life is one of these boasts. You are either building up your ability to boast in one of these things, the cross or the works of the flesh and your abilities and your strength. And so my hope is that we would leave here reminded of, of why we should boast in the cross of Jesus, that nothing but Jesus should be our boast before the world, before sin, before the legalist, before whatever we encounter, we boast in the cross of Jesus Christ. So with that, let's turn to Galatians 6, verses 11 through 18. Galatians 6, verses 11 through 18. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that we have a cross to boast in. Father, we ask that we would not deceive ourselves into boasting in the flesh, that there's nothing there to boast about, but that we have an infinite boast, a powerful boast, a, a sustainable boast in the cross of Jesus Christ. Father, would we present that, that boast to the world? Would we present it before our sin and our guilt and our shame, that they may be crushed under the, the boast of the cross? Holy Spirit, would you fill us and would you speak through your scriptures? Would you help us to understand and then understand to, to really feel and know and to love the cross of Jesus Christ and ultimately Jesus Christ himself? They may love him and delight in him and worship him with our lives. That he would be the boast of, of our hearts, we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All right. So, uh, the boast of the flesh and the boast of the cross. Now, Paul starts here uh, with a, a fun little verse, verse 11. Uh, See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. All right, just historical uh, artifact here. Uh, Paul didn't use a scribe on this part. He's writing, and apparently he has a large script. That's it. All right. Next. Uh, <laughs> all right, uh, so this part... This part uh, I'll, I'll try to do a little more. Uh, he's writing this part, and I think this is his opportunity. He's writing it. He can kind of be as scathing as he wants to, and he's laying out the difference between uh, himself as an apostle and these false teachers, these legalists who would be bound by the law. And he's kind of cutthroat in this point, uh, appropriately so, because this is not the difference between uh, two different types of Christian. This is Christianity versus, versus death. And so he lays out the heart of the false teacher, verse 12. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. All right, just a reminder of, of in case you missed it, what was so bad about what they were doing here, uh, that these false teachers were, were forcing the Galatians to be circumcised by putting the weight of the law upon them. And essentially saying, yeah, yeah, Jesus is great, but you better also fulfill the law of God. You have to receive Jesus and be good enough to, to earn your way. And Paul, throughout this letter, has tried to convince them that, no, once you start trying to earn your way, then you've abandoned the cross of Jesus, you've thrown him out completely, and now you're on your own and you are condemned. Because none of us are able to keep this law. That has been the message of Galatians. Either salvation and righteousness are a gift of Jesus by grace, received by faith, preserved by the Spirit, or else, you know what? You are not good enough according to the law, and you're just condemning yourself by, by staying under it. 
Now, the, the thing is, okay, why do these false teachers, why do they want to be in that place themselves and put other people in that place too? Well, uh, Paul explains it, and he says that ultimately, if you're going to characterize these false teachers, what are they? What are they? They are, they are making a good showing in the flesh. They're making a good showing in the flesh. Essentially, they're putting on a performance. They're faking it until they make it. And they're presenting to the world their righteousness. Why, and why do they have to put on the show? Why do they have to make such a presentation here it's because what does he say even those who are circumcised do not sell themselves keep the law it's because they can't keep the law they have to make a show of their righteousness because they don't have any and they make a show of how good they are before other people because if they actually stand before god and look at the law seriously they don't have righteousness they are not good enough but instead of admitting that fact and dealing with that fact before god what do they do they try to distract themselves and distract others. And they're dancing around trying to pr prove their own righteousness. And what better way to do it then to go around and find the people who are breaking the law of God? They essentially prey on those who, who aren't putting on a good enough performance, and they use it to bolster up their own righteousness. All right, a name for this Comparative righteousness. To be righteous by comparison. That is not about you standing before God. It's not about your heart. It's about you and the person next to you. Or you and the worst sinner that you can find. And if, if you can, judge them and condemn them and give them laws that they aren't, they aren't fulfilling, then maybe you'll feel a little bit better about yourself. And you'll feel like maybe you're not so bad after all. And maybe you do have this comparative righteousness. That's why they say that, that they desire to have you circumcised, that they may boast in your flesh. That they can boast that, oh, I'm a savior, not a sinner. That I'm, I'm a teacher. I don't need to be taught that, that I'm good and I'm, I'm not as bad as the other people. After all, look, I'm, I'm giving people the law. That's where we were reminded once again that Galatians 6, 4, let each one test his own works and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not his neighbor, for each one will have to bear his own load. We talked about that two weeks ago and we said that Paul reminds the people, you know what, it's not about the person next to you and ultimately you're not going to stand with the worst sinner you can imagine or the person that you, you can easily out-spiritualize. No, you're going to stand before the holy and perfect God himself. There's no comparison. Comparative righteousness is, is only compared to Jesus Christ and his perfection. That's who you're comparing yourself with. And if you're competing with Jesus and his holiness, you're going to be condemned. You're going to destroy yourself. You are not good enough for that comparison. But the day is going to come when that's the only comparison that's going to matter. Now, why would, why would someone try to put their own righteousness up against Jesus Christ? Why would they do it? Paul's astonished that anyone would not receive the, the grace and faith and, 
and spirit. That they wouldn't receive righteousness freely from Jesus, imputed righteousness. The righteousness of Jesus not comp- competing with the cross, but received from the cross. Jesus' perfection given to you. Why would anyone not want that? And he explains it. He says that they have to put on this show only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Ultimately, why do did, why did they put on this show of righteousness and not receive Jesus? Because they're scared. They're scared of what it means to actually trust the cross, to put themselves under the cross, to identify with the cross of Jesus. Now, for the Galatians, that would have meant, uh, or for the, these false teachers, it would have meant that if they admitted that the cross was everything, then they, they couldn't preach circumcision, and then they'd become an enemy to the Jews because Jewish people would have wanted them to preach circumcision, to preach the law, to preach purity laws, to, to fit in line with their, their religion. To preach the cross means to be persecuted. And that, that's the same today. If you trust in the cross of Jesus, you will be persecuted. Because to trust in the cross of Jesus, you have to admit your weakness. You have to admit that you cannot save yourself, you will not save yourself. And the world will look look at you and say, wow, you need a crutch. Or maybe, so you're not good enough, you can't just get your act together. That's exactly what the cross says. No, you need someone to die for you because you deserve to die for your sin. All right, you'll be persecuted for the foolishness of the cross that you're saying that you believe that 2,000 years ago God came and died for your sins and then rose from the dead. And that that's, that's how you're trusting your, your whole life to that. That is foolishness to the world. You'll be persecuted for it. You'll be called an idiot if you actually say that that's what you believe and present it to the world and don't just hide it away and pretend that you don't believe it because that's what the world wants you to do. All right, you'll be persecuted for the humility that is required to be under the cross. To admit day by day that you cannot save yourself, you desperately need Jesus, that, that faith alone sustains you, that you need a daily reminder of the work of Jesus. People tell you, you, know, you just need to be stronger, you need to try harder. You'll be persecuted. And for fear of persecution, these, these legalists, these teachers, chose to abandon the cross of Jesus. All right, what does that really mean for them? That means that for fear of temporary suffering, they gave up the solution to their sin. They gave up eternal life. And on that day, when they stand before Jesus face to face, when they stand and they, they compare themselves to the righteousness they'll realize they should have feared God, not man. They should have feared this one who could really judge them and who wasn't buying this show and this act and this performance. Now, what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us? What does it mean for you? You don't care what it means for us. You care what it means for you. Uh, (laughs) It's not supposed to be communal in this. All right. Uh, What does it mean? All right, you will encounter legalists. You will encounter false teachers. You will encounter 
people who want to put the law on you and tell you to try harder and be better and to, to put on a better show. And I'll tell you right now, please, don't give in to them. Don't fear them. See through the performance just like God sees through their performance. All right. All the, the, the person who, who's always accusing you and saying you're not good enough, uh, the reality is they're not good enough. That no one is good enough. There's no person who is fulfilling the law. There's no one person who, who really is the good Christian. No, the whole point is there is no good Christian. That Jesus is the good Christian. He's Jesus Christ. That's the whole point. Don't buy the lie. And don't let them condemn you or put you under the law and make you feel guilty or ashamed. All right, they're leeches. And they're trying to suck righteousness out of you by making you feel guilty and ashamed. And if they can put you down, then maybe they feel comparatively righteous. Don't let them. Don't give into that for a second. In reality, what's, what's going on here? They are afraid of men and afraid to, to identify with the cross. All right, it's all, it's all a show. All right, take their, take their judgment and take their law and say, you know what, I already know I'm evil. I already know I'm a sinner. I've got that under control. Jesus Christ has covered me. I have the imputed righteousness of Jesus. I don't, I don't need your law. I don't need your comparative righteousness. I'm not playing the game. I already won. I won the game of Jesus. Now, can we, can we say that? Can we believe that? Can we see through it? That's my hope for us, to live in the real freedom of Jesus Christ. All right, but second, but second. This matters to us because you will be tempted to become the legalist. You'll be tempted to become the legalist. One of my favorite songs, it, it goes over and over. It says, don't become the thing you hated. Because the temptation really is to become the thing we hated. And that legalism is far too easy to slip into. That the day that you, you, you have a bad day, you have a bad week, you start feeling like you're not a very good Christian this week. Uh, and what, what's an easy way to get out of that is comparative righteousness and looking around and say, how can I find the... The person to condemn, I can throw the law at them. And that, and not on that day, I can feel a little better because, you know what, I taught someone else how to be righteous. I, I, I might be the righteous one. Now, for some of you, that might look like this kind of churchy, churchy legalism. And you condemn people for not reading their Bible enough or not going to church consistently. Uh, all right. Most of you probably don't fall in that category because you won't win if you went into that category. So uh, others of you will go into the world, and so you start using the rules of the world. Those count too. The law of the world is just as condemning and just as legalistic. And maybe you, you accuse people of, of not looking good enough, of not having a nice enough family or a good enough marriage, a nice enough car or house. Or if you can't win on that level, then you are more humble and down to earth than anyone else you know. <laughs> That's always a good cough out. At least, I, at least I'm not as uppity as they are. <laughs> All right. Comparative righteousness. Now, why don't we go there? We don't go there because there's, there's no life there. 
But ultimately, we don't go there because we don't need to go there. If you weren't a good Christian yesterday or last week, you don't need to bolster yourself by looking at other people. You need to look at Jesus, and he will be the good Christian for you. He'll be the perfect Christian for you. He'll give you his righteousness. Live under his righteousness. Live under his perfection. Stop trying to eke out, according to the flesh, what is given to you by grace and by faith, by the Spirit. Don't throw the law at each other. Don't compete with each other. There is no such thing as comparative righteousness. There's imputed righteousness by Jesus Christ. Now, with that, with that, we have this, this second boast, a second way of boasting, boasting in the cross of Jesus Christ, verse 14. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Now, this is, this is a pretty big statement. How does Paul get to the point where the only thing he boasts in is the cross of Jesus? I think he had to realize that he had nothing else to boast in. Absolutely nothing. And we see him, him coming to grips with this in Scripture. And he starts laying out his life, and he says, yeah, I was, I was putting on a really good show. I was putting on a better show than anyone else. But I realized that behind that was just selfishness and self-righteousness and comparative righteousness. And I actually had nothing good going on. I had trash. I was producing trash on trash and presenting it to God and expecting that maybe he would accept it. And he realized, I don't have anything good. I have no goodness to bring to the table. I have nothing to boast about that I can bring to the table and God will accept it and, and not just see through it. Now, at that point, at that point, he boasted in Jesus Christ and nothing but Jesus, nothing but the cross. Looking at the cross and saying, you know, that is my perfection. That is my righteousness. That is my good works. That is my approval before people. And that is my, that is my life. That is my future. The work of Jesus who died for my sins and took them as far as the east is from the west will present me blameless before the Father on that day. I'm going to boast in that. And it, it, it's not just freedom from legalism. It's, it's freedom from so much more. It's freedom from sin and rebellion and fear. Look what he says. He says, not just that this cross took away his sins, but that the world was crucified to me and I to the world. Now, it's not that Jesus went on the cross. Paul went on the cross, too. And he died to the world, and the world died to him. Now, how did that work? Well, first, I think it, he was able to, to actually fall in love with Jesus and fall out of love with the world. And he realized that, you know, every pleasure and every temptation that would have enticed him, now, he says, the cross. You know, I died to all that stuff, and I've given something so much better. I've given, been given uh, eternity with the one that I love. I've been given freedom from sin. I've been given peace eternal and pleasure forevermore at the right hand of God. That gives us power to, to not just say we're cleansed of our sin, but to actually be free from it. 
to delight in Jesus more than we delight in anything else. It gives us freedom from, from fear and from judgment and from the persecutor, because we know, what, what are they going to take away from us? Maybe a temporary bit of joy for an eternal weight of glory. What, at best, they can kill us, and then we're with our Savior forever, for all eternity, reaping the benefits of, of the cross. That's the reality of where we live. That's the freedom of, of having died to the world and the world having died to us. And we live there knowing that, verse 15, for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. You don't get any of this by trying hard according to the law. It doesn't matter if you fail or if you have success according to the law. It doesn't matter if you're circumcised or uncircumcised, good or bad. You're not on the spectrum anymore. You're not on the good to bad spectrum. You're not on the good to bad ladder trying to send your way into heaven by being good enough. No, what are you? You are a new creation. You are reborn in Christ. You are resurrected with Jesus Christ. You are spiritually already seated in the heavenly thrones. That doesn't get taken away if you are a good Christian yesterday or if you're a good Christian tomorrow. You are a new creation. And Paul is saying, like, live as the new creation that you are in Christ. Walk as a new creation. The new creation isn't, isn't bound to the law anymore. You're not scared of the person judging you or putting the law upon you. You are, you are dead to those things. Christ has been condemned. You cannot be condemned for those things anymore. This becomes our new law. That is the law of Jesus Christ, not circumcision or uncircumcision or try hard or don't try hard. The new creation. Verse 16. As for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. You have one rule. This passage is focusing on one rule. That you are a new creation. You're called to live like a new creation. And live as the new creation that you are in Jesus Christ. And if you do that, what do you get? You get peace and mercy. Peace and mercy be upon you. Peace with God that you have, no, you have no quarrel with him. He has no quarrel with you. You are not standing before the judge. You're standing before the Father who loves you in Jesus Christ. And for all your sin that you bring to the table after salvation, what do you get? You get mercy. Not, oh, now, now you need to start being the perfect Christian. No, you get, you're now in the place of mercy poured upon you from the throne of heaven if you live as the new creation. If you put faith in the fact that you are a new creation, you're not under the law anymore. Now, this last section, uh, some of you won't like this, but that's okay. Um, all right, he calls, he, he says, upon them and upon uh, the Israel of God, the Israel of God. Um, some people think this means that, hey, it, grace and peace to you, Galatians, oh, and, and also the nation of Israel. I don't think that's what it means. Uh, throughout this whole letter, what was the lie that was told to the Galatian church? The lie was, you know what, you're, you're not quite good enough yet. 
you're a second-class citizen. You know what? Maybe you need to try to, to take on the law of Israel. Then you might be the Israel of God. You might be the people of God. He might be received as if he actually loved you and adopted you. I think what he's saying here, and the, the language bears it out, that and should be an even. That's how it works in the, in the Greek. I should be looking here. Sorry, guys. You keep looking back there. I know I'm looking here. Uh, that and is an even. Even upon the Israel of God, what is he saying? He's saying, all right, you're not a second-class citizen anymore. No one's saying, you know, yeah, yeah, you made it, but hopefully you can get a little bit further. There's other people who are more religious or more spiritual. No, it's in Jesus. The Jew and Gentile, one man in Jesus Christ. Galatians 3, 7. Know that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. All right, we really are free from the law. All that matters is Jesus, nothing but Jesus. All right, one, uh, one snarky little thing from Paul now. Uh, he gets, he's writing this in his own hand, so he gets a little snark. Um, verse 17, From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. All right, he's been talking about the flesh and saying, you know, the, the flesh doesn't matter. Who cares about the flesh? But then he says, you know, if we're going to talk about the flesh, let's talk about the flesh. If we're going to talk about what marks actually matter on the flesh, it should be the marks of the cross, the marks of Jesus Christ. And Paul bears those marks. He bears the lashes on his back. He bears the, the feeble body of someone who is starved in prison. He bears the marks of Jesus Christ that Paul didn't just boast in the cross. He, he lived on the cross. He bore his cross. And that day in and day out, he was boasting in the fact that he was dying, but that he would be resurrected in Jesus. And if we're going to talk about the marks and the works of the flesh, let's talk about trusting that we can die and be resurrected. That if we bear our cross, we will not be put to shame in the end. That we trust to be resurrected with Jesus. That we are willing to die with Jesus. To bear those same marks. And some of you bear those marks. A lot of you bear those marks. Some of you bear them on your body. You have the, the gray hair and the wrinkles that show that you have loved people uh, to extreme exasperation. Uh, some of you bear the sorrows of the times you have borne the cross. Some of you on your, on your files at work, it says this person shared the gospel at work and was written up for it. All right, some of you bear the marks on your, on your checking accounts, on your, your houses, your lives. They bear the marks of Jesus Christ, that you have died, that you might be resurrected with Jesus. If we're going to talk about the flesh. Let's talk about those things. That, that's trusting in Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus. But ultimately, verse 18. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. All right. If you remember, what was the first word of this letter after the introduction? It was grace. It was grace at the beginning, and it's grace at the end. It's not law. It's not works. It's not try harder. It's not be good. It's grace. And all of these things 
your adoption, the faith that you have, the gift of the Spirit, righteousness imputed to you, sanctification, and the fact that you can even walk this path, all of those things are gifts in Jesus Christ, undeserved gifts that are given to you simply because you trusted Jesus. Stop, let's, let's stop boasting in our flesh. Stop boasting in our works and what we can accomplish. Let's boast in what Jesus Christ has done. It's in the cross of Jesus, that's the only way we get grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Amen? Amen. All right. Uh, questions? Right. 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 That's where, yeah, if you own up to the cross and admit you're, that you're struggling, admit that you're humble and you're weak, um, there can be persecution even in this body that we persecute one another by comparing ourselves and and hungry for, for a little bit more righteousness, comparatively, we devour the person who admits their sin. Yeah, that's an ugly reality of the church. Um, and it's not, it's not living under Jesus. Absolutely. Yeah, Morgan? Yeah. Here you are nothing, right? Right. And so you get to this place where you kind of go, okay, like I get that I'm powerful. And then, and I'm not saying this is right. I'm just saying this is kind of right. Okay. What I've experienced. Gotcha. So, so then I almost get into like this Paul Barber place where I just say, okay, all right, let me get some fasting in the back of the car and like sit in that place. Right. 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 And how does how does like 
Right. Right, right, yeah. Um, first, I'd want to correct the thing that you are trash and your good works are trash. Um, you are not your works. I think that's part of the, the lie that I'm as good as my, my works that I present to God, and so if I present work, trash to God, then I must be trash. That's not true at all. Um, but I think the, the larger overarching thing is what was the trouble with, with all of those statements was um, the I-centeredness of just our, our lives and our, our worth and how we think about these things. When the, the first thing is not, how can I gain worth from, from God or from Jesus? It's like, how can I buy into the fact that Jesus is more, more worthy and more valuable and more worthy of fixing my gaze upon than upon myself? And once we're able to do that, then as we see the, the beauty and glory of Jesus, we recognize, hey, that's been given to me. And I, we lose ourselves in the fact that we are worshipers. We are not value hunters and gatherers and, and worth miners. That instead, we, we, are, we are worshipers of Jesus. And that we gain our value and our ability to to give Jesus great value and, and glory. Um, difficult to do. Um, and it takes really, really buying into that. It's not about us, it's about Jesus. Well, Follow up to that? Yeah, I think the thing that's been the most eye-opening for me is probably the amount of time I've spent sitting on the sidelines. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and even, or, or, the, or the amount of time that we spend Judaizing each other. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a painful reality of, of what the church can be. That's why I have quite, well, letters like this, that well, this is what the Galatian church was turning into. And it's just devastating. Right. Is the Lord pleased by us circumcising our children or other purity laws that are not given to us eternal life? It's not early understanding. Does it, it obviously pleases God when we love one another and are fulfilling that right. law. Oh, Leah. <laughs> okay, so it, it pleases the Lord to, to do the law from the right heart motivation. 
to not do the law to fulfill our, our quota for righteousness, but instead to, to love Jesus Christ and to express that love. Um, yes. Now, when we take something like circumcision, that's where it's, circumcision is a helpful example because I think ultimately we can say, why would you need to be circumcised? It's somewhat arbitrary in, in terms of pleasing God, that it wasn't meant to, I'd say first please him, but first set us apart and to, to be a, a picture of what Jesus would do. Let me let me think let me think Leah you're killing me you're killing me um, first I'd say those laws have been very clearly thrown out so if you're still doing them it's not to please the Lord it's because you haven't really understood the work of Jesus and how that fulfills certain aspects of the law now I think any law could be used inappropriately to earn righteousness but I think circumcision uh, is a specific, it really only can be used to earn righteousness, which is why it was thrown out, which is why Paul is so against it. If this had been a, a call to, to sexual purity or honesty, like you were saying, I think it'd be harder because um, we can do that from a right heart or a poor heart. I don't think circumcision can be done with a, a pure heart to please the Lord because he said he, it's, it's done. It, it pointed to Jesus the cutting off of Jesus. He's been cut off. That picture has been fulfilled. It's not really necessary anymore. Now, I think that would be hard to prove from Scripture to someone who didn't want to see that, Leah. Um, and I realize that's the place you're in. Um, yeah, I think you want to go to things like Acts 10 and, and places that show the, that the ceremonial law is uh, a move point now in Jesus. Let's see if you can top Leah in technical questions. <laughs> <laughs> Sam? Okay. Yes. Oh, you saved me in my question, in Leah's question. Thanks, Sam. Yeah, he, that was, he threw me a bone. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you meant to, but it, it was. Um, yeah, so that's where, okay, that, that is a, a weird example of circumcision used not to earn righteousness, but to please the Lord. Yeah, with Timothy, because... He, Paul didn't think Timothy had to be circumcised. Timothy was circumcised so that he could evangelize Jewish people better and not be a stumbling block to them. Wouldn't that be kind of like 
Yeah, but that's because circumcision and uncircumcision, neither of them matter. And so he wasn't using it to earn, earn righteousness. He was using it to earn the right to talk to a Jewish person because otherwise they wouldn't even talk to him. Yeah, then he's because he's a he's a dirty rotten Gentile and he needs to be directed, rejected. But would that like now he gets the power to talk to him now, right? Yeah. Does does that because he is circumcised, does that save him from the law of people uncircumcised? Like if he's uncircumcised, well look, like I'm saving myself Christ. Right. Sam, that was a, I think that was a good strategy according to the time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and that's where we get into the messy the messy reality that is some are these are circumcision and uncircumcision are they like no, it's what you're doing with them. How, is, how are you pursuing the righteousness and how are you trying to please the Lord if it's for, as Leah said, like just the sake of loving Jesus and pleasing him, then yeah. In that case, sacrifice isn't bad, it's great. In some sense, we can't say that about everything. Like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm pursuing sin because I think it's going to, yeah. But uh, in some sense, yeah. Yeah. Right. Everything becomes an act of worship, but through the heart. Right. Right. But if it's if you really just start with the basics and like I'm all about the heart Right. Right. Are you are you obeying first that you might be loved later, or are you loved first and therefore obeying? It's it's the order. If you mess up the order you're you're doomed. <laughs> Hilarious, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chaz, last question. Right. 
Right. Right. I'm sure Timothy thought it as loss. Yes. It's <laughs> a lot <laughs> to to be a better evangelist. Like that's a big move. Yeah. That's picking up your cross. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's pray. <laughs> uh, Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you uh, that you have rendered the, the law for righteousness' sake as totally moot. And Father, what a, what a tribute to, to Timothy and to, to Paul that they would bear the, the marks of the cross, that their lives would be about nothing but Jesus and proclaiming him, that that would be their one purpose. And Father, I ask that uh, you'd sanctify our hearts that that would want to be our purpose, that we'd want to love Jesus, um, and we'd want to glorify him, we'd want to obey him because we, uh, we delight in him so much. Father, would we be people who give Jesus Christ to the world? Um, would you fill us with your spirit that we may see Jesus clearly enough and we may see the cross clearly enough that it would be our only boast, that he would be our only boast, that nothing but Jesus would be the boast of our hearts and our lives. Change us, that that may be true. We pray in Jesus Christ's name.